0: Chapter Sixteen of Mystery of a Handsome Cab by Fergus Hume, read for into the public domain. Missing. The next day, Kilsip called at Calton's office late in the afternoon and found the lawyer eagerly expecting him. The detective's face, however, looked rather dismal, and Calton was not reassured. "Well," he said impatiently, when Kilsip had closed the door and taken a seat, "Where is she?" "That's just what I want to know," answered the detective coolly. I went to the Salvation Army headquarters and made inquiries about her. It appears that she had been in the Army as a hallelujah lass, but got tired of it in a week, and went off with a friend of hers to Sydney. She carried on her old life of dissipation, but ultimately her friend got sick of her, and the last thing they heard about her was that she had taken up with a Chinaman in one of the Sydney slums. I telegraphed at once to Sydney, and got a reply that there was no person of the name of Sal Rollins known to the Sydney police— "'but they said they would make inquiries and let me know the result.' "'Ah! She has, no doubt, changed her name,' said Calton thoughtfully, stroking his chin. "'I wonder why. "'Wanted to get rid of the army, I expect,' answered Kilsip dryly. "'The straying lamb did not care about being hunted back to the fold. "'And when did she join the army?' "'The very day after the murder. "'Rather sudden conversion?' "'Yes, but she said the death of the woman on Thursday night had so startled her "'that she went straight off to the army to get her religion properly fixed up.' "'The effects of fright, no doubt,' said Calton dryly. "'I've met a good many examples of these sudden conversions, "'but they never last long as a rule. "'It's a case of the devil was sick, the devil a monk would be, more than anything else. "'Good-looking?' "'So-so, I believe,' replied Kilsip, shrugging his shoulders. "'Very ignorant, could neither read nor write.' That accounts for her not asking for Fitzgerald when she called at the club. She probably did not know whom she had been sent for. It will resolve itself into a question of identification, I expect. However, if the police can't find her, we will put an advertisement in the papers offering reward, and send out handbills to the same effect. She must be found. That accounts for her not asking for Fitzgerald when she called at the club. She probably did not know whom she had been sent for. It will resolve itself into a question of identification, I expect. However, if the police can't find her, we will put an advertisement in the papers offering reward, and send out handbills to the same effect. She must be found. Brian Fitzgerald's life hangs on a thread, and that thread is Sal Rollins. Yes, assented Kilsip, rubbing his hands together. If Mr Fitzgerald acknowledges that he was at Mother Guttersnipe's on the night in question, she will have to prove that he was there, as no one else saw him. Are you sure of that? As sure as anyone can be in such a case. It was a late hour when he came, and every one seems to have been asleep except the dying woman and Sal. And as one is dead, the other is the only person that can prove he was there at the time when the murder was being committed in the hansom. And Mother Guttersnipe was drunk, as she acknowledged last night. She thought that if a gentleman did call, it must have been the other one. The other one," repeated Calton in a puzzled voice. "What other one? Oliver White." Calton arose from his seat with a blank air of astonishment. "'Oliver White,' he said, as soon as he could find his voice. "'Was he in the habit of going there?' Kilsip curled himself up in his seat like a sleek cat, and pushing forward his head till his nose looked like the beak of a bird of prey, looked keenly at Calton. "'Look here, sir,' he said in his low, purring voice. "'There's a good deal in this case which don't seem plain. In fact, the further we go into it, the more mixed up it seems to get.' I went to see mother Guttersnipe this morning, and she told me that White had visited the Queen several times while she lay ill, and that he seemed to be pretty well acquainted with her. But who the deuce is this woman they call the Queen? said Calton irritably. She seems to be at the bottom of the whole affair. Every path we take leads to her. I hardly know anything about her, replied Kilsip, except that she was a good-looking woman of about forty-nine. She come out from England to Sydney a few months ago, and then on here. How she got to mother Guttersnipe's, I can't find out though I've tried to pump that old woman. But she's as close as wax, and it's my belief she knows more about this dead woman than she chooses to tell. But what could she have told Fitzgerald to make him act in this silly manner? A stranger, who comes from England, and dies in a Melbourne slum, can't possibly know anything about Miss Frettlby. Not unless Miss Frettlby was secretly married to White, suggested Kilsip, and the Queen knew it. Nonsense! retorted Calton sharply. Why, she hated him, and loves Fitzgerald, Besides, why on earth should she marry secretly, and make a confidant of a woman in the lowest parts of Melbourne? At one time her father wanted her to marry White, but she made such a strong opposition that he eventually gave his consent to her engagement with Fitzgerald. And White? Oh, he had a row with Mr. Frettlby, and left the house in a rage. He was murdered the same night, for the sake of some papers he carried. "'Oh, that's Gorby's idea,' said Kilsip, scornfully, with a vicious snarl. "'And it's mine, too,' answered Calton, firmly. White had some valuable papers which he always carried about with him. The woman who died evidently told Fitzgerald that he did so. I gathered as much from an accidental admission he made. Kilsip looked puzzled. "'I must confess that it is a riddle,' he said at length. "'But if Mr. Fitzgerald would only speak, it would clear everything up.' "'Speak about what? The man who murdered White?' "'Well, if he did not go quite so far as that, he might at least supply the motive for the crime.' "'Perhaps so,' answered Calton, as the detective rose to go. "'But it's no use. "'Fitzgerald, for some reason or another, has evidently made up his mind not to speak. "'So our only hope in saving him lies in finding this girl.' "'If she's anywhere in Australia, you may be sure she'll be found,' answered Kilsip, confidently, as he took his departure. "'Australia isn't so overcrowded as all that. "'But if Sal Rollins was in Australia at all, "'she certainly must have been in some very remote part. "'All efforts to find her proved futile.' It was an open question if she was alive or dead. She seemed to have vanished completely. She was last seen in a Sydney den with a Chinaman whom afterwards she appears to have left. Since then nothing whatever was known of her. Notices offering large rewards for her discovery were inserted in all the newspapers, Australian and New Zealand. But nothing came of them. As she was herself unable to read, there seemed little chance of her knowing of them, and if, as Calton surmised, she had changed her name, no one would be likely to tell her of them. There was only the bare chance that she might hear of them casually, or that she might turn up of her own accord. If she returned to Melbourne she would certainly go to her grandmother's. She had no motive for not doing so. So Kilsip kept a sharp watch on the house, much to Mrs. Rollins' disgust, for, with true English pride, she objected to this system of espionage. "'Cuss em! she croaked over her evening drink to an old crone, as withered and evil-looking as herself, why can't he stop in his own bloomin' house and leave mine alone? A-comin' around here a-pokin' and a-pryin' and a-perwintin' people from earnin' their livin' and a-gittin' drunk when they ain't well. "'What do he want?' asked her friend, rubbing her weak old knees. "'Wants! He wants his throat cut,' said Mother Guttersnipe viciously. "'And sa' so me I'll do it for him some night when he's a-watchin' round here, as if it were Pentridge. He can get what he want out of that whelp as ran away, but I knows somethin' he don't know, cuss him. She ended with a senile laugh, and her companion, having taken advantage of the long speech to drink some gin out of the broken cup, Mother Guttersnipe seized the unfortunate old creature by the hair, and in spite of her feeble cries, banged her head against the wall. "I'll have the police in at you," whimpered the assaulted one as she tottered away quickly as her old rheumatics would allow her. "See if I don't," get out," retorted Mother Guttersnipe indifferently as she filled herself a fresh cup. "'You come a fallutin' round here again priggin' my drinks, cuss you, "'and I'll cut your throat and wring your wicked old head off.' The other gave a howl of dismay at hearing this pleasant proposal, and tottered out as quickly as possible, leaving Mother Guttersnipe in undisputed possession of the field. Meanwhile Calton had seen Brian several times, and used every argument in his power to get him to tell everything, but he either maintained an obstinate silence, or merely answered, "'It would only break her heart.' He admitted to Calton, after a good deal of questioning, that he had been at Mother Guttersnipes on the night of the murder. After he had left White by the corner of the Scotch Church, as the cabman, Royston, had stated, he had gone along Russell Street and met Sal Rollins near the Unicorn Hotel. She had taken him to Mother Guttersnipes, where he had seen the dying woman, who had told him something he could not reveal." "'Well,' said Mr. Calton, after hearing the admission, "'you might have saved us all this trouble by admitting this before, "'and yet kept your secret, whatever it might be. "'Had you done so, we might have got hold of Sal Rollins before she left Melbourne, "'but now it's a mere chance whether she turns up or not.' "'Brian did not answer this. "'In fact, he seemed hardly to be thinking of what the lawyer was saying. "'But just as Calton was leaving, he asked, "'How is Madge?' How can you expect her to be said, Calton? Turning angrily on him, she is very ill owing to the worry she has had over this affair. My darling, my darling! cried Brian in agony, clasping his hands above his head. I did it only to save you. Calton approached him and laid his hand lightly on his shoulder. My dear fellow, he said gravely, the confidences between lawyer and client are as sacred as those between priest and penitent. You must tell me the secret which concerns Miss Frettlby so deeply. No, said Brian firmly. I will never repeat what that wretched woman told me. When I would not tell you before in order to save my life, it is not likely I am going to do so now, when I have nothing to gain and everything to lose by telling it. I will never ask you again," said Calton, rather annoyed, as he walked to the door. And as to this accusation of murder, if I can find this girl, you are safe. When the lawyer left the jail he went to the detective office to see Kilsip, and ascertain if there was any news of Sal Rollins, but as usual there was none. It is fighting against fate, he said sadly, as he went away. His life hangs on a mere chance. The trial was fixed to come off in September, and, of course, there was great excitement in Melbourne as the time drew near. Great, therefore, was the disappointment, when it was discovered that the prisoner's counsel had applied for an adjournment of the trial till October, on the ground that an important witness for the defence could not be found. End of chapter 16. Read by Sibella Denton.